0: Please. Hey, before I get into the sermon, I just want you to know that we have some special guests with us in a very unique way. Aaron Stevens is here. His wife Lizzie, I think, is in the cry room with the baby, right? But uh, we're thrilled that you're with us today. They've come over from Phoenix to chat with us this afternoon about working with our youth. So we invite your prayers not only today, but in the next several days as we engage in that conversation. But we're excited to have Aaron and Lizzie with us. Former members of the church here, in Mission Viejo, did a phenomenal job when they were with us before. Come back to chat with us and see where we go with this. So keep us in prayer. We're going to talk about this little verse of Scripture in Matthew 4, verse 19. Come and follow me. Jesus said this to a few men who were standing by their boats. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. How many of you have ever been fishing with a real-life fishing pole? Okay, yes. Did you catch them all? No. A friend of mine was driving around the 285 Loop in Atlanta one day, and if you've ever been to Atlanta, that's the freeway system that literally circles the metro area. He was driving, it was rush hour traffic, he was driving, well, tells you how old this story was, he was driving pretty fast. You can't drive over about 12 miles an hour now, can you, Doug? But uh, anyway, he was speeding, and he got pulled over by a police officer, and the cops writing the ticket, and, and the young man, my friend, he said, out of all of the people that were passing me, why did you pull me over? And the officer just kept writing the ticket, and... Uh, He said, have you ever been fishing? And the young man said, yeah. He said, well, did you catch them all? (laughs) Have you ever been fishing for men? Did you catch them all? Howard? Howard? Do you have any idea how many hundreds of thousands of people have come to know the Lord from World Bible School? Any idea? How many? At least two or three thousand. Maybe hundreds of thousands. But even with World Bible School, did we catch them all? It's just not possible, is it? Even of the 12 that Jesus chose to be his apostles, those closest to him, one slipped away. His name was Judas. It's a great game right now going on in the world. Did you know that? And I'm not talking about football. And I'm not even talking about basketball, even the season's opening, even as we speak. I'm really talking about baseball. Any of you catch the game last night? I saw a little bit of it in between playing with my phone. Downloaded a new app on my phone, a new game, so I'm playing my game, watching the baseball game. Pretty good ninth inning, yes. It's now a new series, tied 2-2. Two to two. It's the best of three now. That's what it's really all about. I think it'll go to seven games. That's just my personal take. I think both teams are equally talented and equally blessed with amazing players, and we'll have a great World Series on our hands this week. Tonight, we'll skip tomorrow, come back here for the last two games in Los Angeles. How many of you have ever played on a sports of you did athletically or participated in something maybe you weren't sports wasn't your gig maybe it was uh, maybe you were in the theater or maybe you were in the chorus or something like that but you had auditions and things you had to do or maybe you didn't do any of that stuff you just w- was in a pickup game at a basketball court or, or you're playing at a, a park somewhere and you decide to choose up teams any of you old enough or any of you ever played baseball and when you were young did you ever have two people who were going to see who was a captain or who would choose first and you would walk your hands up to the bat and whoever got on top would be able to get the first pick. You ever do that? You remember that? Some of you know how to do that. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's all right. I'll find a bat later and I'll demonstrate it. It's always a first string. A lot of players, but not everybody makes the first string. Javon alluded to something last Sunday in his sermon about why in the world would a group of men who are fishermen by trade, why in the world would they drop their nets at a moment's notice and go and follow this man who comes along and says, come and follow me? And I've got to be honest with you, I have racked my brain out all week trying to find the perfect illustration as to how I could demonstrate for any of us that, that we could experience something like that today, and I can't do it. And anything that fits in our world outside of the world of sports, I just can't. Because, unfortunately, in the world that we live in today, in the 21st century, there aren't that many people that are excited about education. And there aren't that many people excited about a lot of things. But sports seems to always get us riled up and seems to really catch our attention. So if your favorite sport happened to be basketball... And by far the absolute greatest basketball player that you could ever imagine in your life came up to you and said, hey, I'm putting together a team. I want you to come play with me. Regardless of how good you were, if he says, I want you to come play with me, how quickly would it take you to make up your mind to drop everything you're doing and go follow him to play basketball? Or maybe baseball. Tommy Lasorda just celebrated his 90th birthday recently and as great as he was in the world of baseball, if he came up to you and said, hey, I'm putting together another team in Los Angeles and I'm looking for some folks that are, that are really gonna to wanna to come play with me and I want you to come play with me, how long would it take you to decide? Maybe you're the football guy. And Joe Namath, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. By the way, he's from Alabama. Not that that matters, doesn't. Or maybe Tom Brady. Amen. I I knew I'd get that out of him because Brady played, I think he played at a little school called Michigan or something like that. It's a little school. So maybe Tom Brady comes up to you and says, hey, I'm putting together a football team and it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the greatest thing in the world. We're going to go out and and we're going to make lots of money. We're going to do all these great things. And he said, would you come play with me? I want you to come follow me. How long would it take you to say, yes, I'm in? Or maybe if you're not a sports person, but you've had a job at some point in your life, The president of your company comes to you and says, I've got this special project, and I need you. And it's going to be amazing, and you'll get to do things that you've never experienced in all of your life. I just need you to come with me. How long would it take you to clean out your desk or do whatever you got to do to get your stuff together to go follow your president to do whatever it was? So you see, these men who were fishermen in the time of Christ... They grew up going to what you and I call Sunday school, except it wasn't Sunday, it was Saturday, it was Sabbath day, it was synagogue school, for lack of a better expression. And they were taught from the youngest youngest of age to recite the Torah. And they didn't just recite it, they had to kind of learn how to sing it. And if you've you've ever had an opportunity to to go to a a Jewish service today, and you, and you, you visit with one of them, sometimes if you're fortunate, you go to the right place you're going to find a location where they still sing the Torah and it is way cool and it's in Hebrew and you won't understand any of it but just to hear this man stand there and to sing these words and you know that it's a direct quotation from the Torah it's amazing it's really cool and so these guys were taught from the youngest of age those like those that are across the courtyard where we're at right now with our little kids in the the daycare thing there that age they were taught to sing these things. And they eventually would, if they were really, really good, they would even memorize the entire Torah and they could sing great blocks of passages of the Torah. Why in the world do you think Jesus was able to be given the scroll of Isaiah and then flip right to it and find the place? You know how difficult it is to use a scroll to read anything? I mean, some of us can't even find it in the Bible. Some of us can't even find stuff on the app that we can just put a word in and find the scripture. But Jesus, that quickly could turn because he knew it. He knew exactly where it was. These men didn't make the first string. Because if they had been a little boy who was memorizing to sing the Torah and could recite it and do all the things that the rabbis were teaching them, if they had been really, really good at it, they would have been invited to go to the minor leagues. And if they'd been any good in the minor leagues, they would have been invited to go into the major leagues. And if they'd been any good in the major leagues, they would have been allowed to have the dust of the rabbi dirty their feet. And if you don't know what I mean by that expression, it means that they were given the privilege and the honor to follow and to support and to work with the rabbi. And they could work closely enough with him that when they walked across the road, when they walked down the streets, literally the dust from the feet and the path of the rabbi would come back and dirty their feet. And that was an honor to them. And Jesus said, come and follow me. And I will. See, here's the cool thing about it. A lot of the stuff that you and I sometimes take up on ourselves, thinking that it's our responsibility that we have the job to do, that, that we have to make this thing work, that we have to put the proverbial square peg into the round hole. I have good news for you. It's not our job to make all of those things fit together. It is only our job to be the vessel through whom and through which God works to bring about whatever it is that He wants to happen. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, if you've always obeyed not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. You see, you never know, you and I never know why or how necessarily that things happen in our lives. If you've been with us in the class here this morning in the auditorium, we talked about that. And we talked about where God showed up this week. And and what kept coming to the forefront of the conversation was God showed up in different, various, and sundry ways in people's lives. But that wasn't the end of the conversation. Now it goes from there. Where does it go from there? And when Jesus calls us and he says, come follow me, I will... He himself has taken on the responsibility to make sure that all of the things that are happening in your lives are in keeping and are in line with what he needs to happen. Paul wrote in Corinthians to the church in Corinth. I planted. Paulus watered. But God gives the increase. You'd think Paul got them all. Here's a question for you. Did Jesus heal all the sick folk? I don't think he did, did he? It is God who works through us to accomplish his will. And you and I are only the vessels through whom he will work. The real question for us is will you let him work? And do you have enough faith in Him to allow Him to use you in ways that you might not even understand? You might not get it. You may not have a clue as to why you are here right now in this place at this time, but God has put you here in front of this person. As crazy as the circumstances may be, He's put you here at this time so that He can, He can do something through you to accomplish His will. Come follow me. I will make you. In other words, this is what you will do in the future. You will become people who bring more people to me. I asked the question in the class this morning, how many of you deem yourselves to be preachers or evangelists? And a handful of folks actually put their hands up. There were three or four in the class who acknowledged, yes, I am an evangelist. I'm a preacher. I do those kinds of things. And that's pretty cool, but the majority of the folks in the class, and I bet if we did that same exercise this morning, if I asked those of you who are preachers, would you please stand, a handful of you would stand, but most of you would not stand up. Well, let's just do that. You don't want to? Okay. I would really like to because then I can tell us who's going to preach next Sunday. <laughs> but since he is insisting that we not, you're stuck with me. Amen. Yes, thank you very much. Guys, God is working through us. He wants to work through us. He wants us to be people who bring more people to Him. Now, how do you go about doing that? See, that's the real question. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, fishermen. How in the world are we supposed to be fishermen? Do you realize that there are all different kinds of ways to fish for anything? I spent a couple of years in high school in Alabama. And I used to fish on the Tennessee River, the backwaters of the Tennessee River. I loved to fish. I did. I I don't know why. I kind of grew up with that. My grandparents taught me how to fish when we lived up in Michigan. And so I loved to fish. And so I would fish on the backwaters of the Tennessee River with one old fishing bowl. And more often than not, I was trying to catch catfish because it was a very popular fish to catch and to eat. And I know you may not like it, but I know it's a bottom feeder, but you fry it right and it tastes pretty good, just let me tell you. And so I would fish for catfish, and I just want you to know that catfish prefer chicken liver to worms. Now I don't want to gross you out this morning, but they do. If I ever wanted to try to catch bass or brim or something else, I would use some kind of a little worm. And if you really wanted to catch brim, sunfish, whatever you want to call them in your world, wherever you come from, if you put a little miniature marshmallow on the hook, they eat that better than anything. Don't ask me why, but they do. And if you want to catch trout in the rivers of Arkansas, the very best way to catch trout in the rivers of Arkansas is to take the smallest of hooks, like a little one hook, and you take a little salmon egg. And don't ask me why they like salmon eggs, because there are no salmon in the rivers in Arkansas. But if you take a little salmon egg and you put it on the hook, they will bite it. And if you're really, really good at catching them just exactly at the right time, you'll catch the trout. But if you don't catch them at just the right time, you won't catch the trout, and they'll take your salmon egg. And if you want to go fishing here off the coast of California, there are any number of ways that you can do that. You can actually use nets in some locations. And, and, and if you want to fish for lobster, the best way to do it, well, there are a couple of ways to do it. My son used to go spearfishing, and he would catch lobsters that way, but I was chicken. I don't like going under the water. That's the reason I live on a boat that stays on top of the water. But you can get a basket, a hoop net, and drop it to the bottom, and you can put things inside of there, and they'll be attracted to it, and you can do the same thing with crabs. But if you want to go out deep-sea fishing, and if you want to catch the marlin and things like that, there's a whole different set of gear and tackle and all those kind of things that you have to have to catch those. And if you want to know how to do that, there's a man sitting right back here, Don Lawson. He's done it for years, and he has all of the stuff, and he can tell you exactly how to do it. And if you really, really want to catch a lot of fish and you own a pond, just drain the pond. And you'll catch them all. And they do that occasionally because the pond overstocks and they have to get them out and they do that. There are a lot of ways to catch fish. Well, how are you going to catch people? How are we supposed to be fishers of men? There are any number of ways to do this. And respectfully, there are no two of us who do it exactly the same way. And that's the beauty of allowing God to work through us to accomplish His will. Because see, there are people that I'll be able to talk to. I'll be able to reach them. But I promise you, you could never reach them. And there are people whose paths you will cross in your life that you'll be able to connect with. And there will be synergy there. And there will be a conversation. And there will be an ongoing dialogue. And there will be a relationship that's built there that I would never have the opportunity or privilege to have just because I'm me and you're you and they're them. And it just doesn't always work that way. But there's a common thread that's woven through all kinds of fishing. And the common thread is that you have to be in the water or near the water to catch any fish. The common thread in fishing for men and women is that you have to be where there are people. And there are very, 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 very few of us who are not around other people. Even if you find yourself disabled or or, or incapacitated and you're in the hospital or something's wrong and your health isn't good and you can't get out. In the world that we live today, you can be around people without ever leaving the comfort of your home. There's a cool program. As a matter of fact, We just sang happy birthday to a guy who started a program called World Bible School. And from the comfort of your telephone, wherever you are, virtually anywhere in the world, if you have service on your phone, you too can be sharing the word with someone about Jesus through the World Bible School apps now. And if that's not good enough for you, a lot of you in the room, I know because I see your stuff, I don't post a lot, but you actually have a Facebook account. And, and you know what? You may not be the person who wants to do the teaching and the preaching and the, and the conversation of that, but do you realize that you can go to the, to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ Facebook page and you can share. There's this little button and it's got blue letters on it and it spells S H A R E, the word share. And you can click on that little word share and you can post that on your Facebook page. And for some crazy, wild reason, Mark Zuckerberg decided that that was a good thing to do. And he's given all of us the opportunity to share. And do you know people actually watch this stuff? Mike, how many do we have normally that will watch this right now live? About 30. 30 people are looking at this right now. I have no idea who they are. I don't know who they are. All you have to do is click share and you can share the entire service or in a day or two, he'll edit it out and it'll just be the sermon. You can share that. Guys, there are so many different ways, but we have to be realizing that we are in the middle of fishing all the time. We're not in the catching business. That's not our job, but we are in the fishing business all the time. And so long and as often as you and I are with people, guess what? We need to be fishing. So this thing about discipleship and evangelism, they're the same thing, but yet they're different. Because I know that not all of us in the room are evangelists. And I know that all of us in the room are not preachers or teachers. And I know all of us in the room don't have the same skill set to do those kinds of things where you would physically, actively sit down and and have that conversation with someone and open the Bible and turn it. All of us aren't going to do that. We're not comfortable with that. And that's okay. But all of us can be a disciple. Because here's the difference between evangelism and preaching. Evangelism is when it's like Jesus where he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, or saith unto thee, good King amen. James. Yes, amen. That's Jesus. That's an evangelist. That's when he comes up and he stands and he proclaims. Or you stand and you proclaim and you open the word and you teach someone. You physically are engaged in that. But then there's this whole thing of called, called discipleship where it says something like this. Come and see. Come and see. You remember the lady that Jesus met at the well? Samaritan woman? Remember that story? Jesus is proving to her that he's a prophet. He's telling her things about herself she wished no one had ever known. But he exposes her. And she runs into town and she tells all of these people, come and see, come and see if this man might be. You see, all of us who are disciples have an opportunity to be a light. Jesus said in Matthew, You are the light of the world, a town that is built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Nowhere in that verse of Scripture does Jesus say, quote Scripture so people can call you a Bible banger or a thumper. Borrow your expression from class this morning. Nowhere does He say that. Nowhere does He say, I need you to go into the highways and the byways and take your Bible and get a megaphone and stand and preach on the corner and tell everybody that they're going to go to hell if they don't come to church on Sunday because the Bible says forsake, not the assembling of... He doesn't say that. He says, let your light shine. And how do you do that? How about loving people? How about loving people that are hard to love? How about loving people that no one else wants to love? I don't know where all of that will take you. But I invite you on the journey to let your light shine wherever it is that you go and to put your light on a hill. Don't put it under a basket. Don't put it under something, but put it up on a hill. Put it out where people can see it. And I'm not saying walk around with stuff taped to you. or, 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 or I'm not saying be obnoxious with it. I'm just saying let Jesus come out of you. And everything that you do, let him come out. Let him come through you. Let him work through you. Let him express himself through you. Let him speak through you. Let him love through you. Amen. Paul writes in the Letter to the Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Can I get an amen that we live in a warped and crooked generation? The world's a little messed up, is it not? And I'm not sure it's going to get any better. I don't mean to sound pessimistic or, or down on the world, but I'm just saying the world's just a little bit messed up. I mean, never mind. It's just messed up. Let me just leave it at that. But, but Paul says, "Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies you hold firmly to the word of life. Guys, you and I should be people that others love to be around. because the words that we share are encouraging words. They're uplifting words. the words that cause people to want to be around us. the words that cause people that want to not, maybe be like you, but at least be like the person that you're representing. I don't know that I want anyone to be like me. That's a little weird. Ask my wife. But I want them to be like the person I'm trying to represent, who is Jesus. That's who I want them to be like. That's what I want them to see. I could care less if they see me. But I want them to see Jesus. And so you and I have this opportunity to share the love of Jesus. All of us who are in this room, we know our Redeemer lives or we wouldn't be here did I do that put us back where we need to be Mike because I don't want Skeeter to mess up here I know that you know that Jesus lives or you wouldn't have come here today and I know that somehow some way Even in the smallest of ways, there's a part of you that would love for someone else that you know, somebody maybe that you love very much. You'd like for them to know more about Jesus. And then I also know that there there will be people who will cross your path this week whom you've never met in your life. You may never see them again in your life, but they need to see that love as well. There are a couple of things that I'm looking at anticipating sermons coming in the future. and One of those is this. There are a whole lot of people that Jesus affected because He either healed them or did something for them and He wouldn't let them follow them and He sent them home. I believe with all of my heart that you and I are in the seed planting business, or we're in the watering of the seed that somebody planted business. You know, it doesn't rain every day. And you don't plant seed every day if you want a garden. But somewhere, somehow, God in his infinite wisdom has the capacity to use you and me to touch the life of a person, whether you know them or not, for that one moment, that one instant in time that may be the very thing that allows them to break through and to see Christ for who He really can be in their hearts and in their lives, and they make that decision to come and follow Him. So I invite you on a journey. I invite you to open your heart and open your life To as many people as you have opportunity to this week. Every single day, live with an anxious anticipation that somewhere, somehow, God is going to put somebody in your path that you're going to get to spend just a moment with and help them see Jesus and see the love of Christ that lives in you. I know my Redeemer lives. I know you do. Will you share him? Skeeter, come and lead us in this song and let's encourage one another as we sing this. So let me invite you to stand. If we can help you in any way to pray with you, to help you in your decision to accept Christ, we invite you to come and join us at this time. Skeeter. I know that I my people